Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 168 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. I'm always willing to share when I get things wrong and this week I discovered a calamity with the top bar hive. Listen in to hear what went wrong. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me i'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by simon the beekeeper making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone simon the beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible along with a super fast delivery service the bees won't wait so their customers don't have to either Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Time waits for no one, as the misquoted saying goes. Another week, another round of inspections, and we're back with another podcast. Yes, it's podcast time again, and an action-packed week it's been. Something of a whirlwind, as most weeks seem to be during these crazy, mad, busy summer days. So, The podcast is released on a Friday, having been recorded earlier in the week. So the updates and words of wisdom, and I use that term loosely, folks, the words of wisdom are from the previous Friday onwards for the most part. So what's been happening in the last week and also what's potentially happening through the next weekend and onwards, I guess. Well, last Friday, Steph and I set out bright and early, leaving Norwich around 550 that's 5.50am, to get to the colonies on the borage for a full day of inspecting. This was the first proper inspection of the bees we've moved, so I was anticipating a very long day. Straps had to be removed, boxes added, colonies checked. It puts a lot of pressure on, knowing you only have one day to get through so many colonies. As luck would have it, the weather has behaved itself, and we had a day of gentle temperatures and a little bit of cloud to provide some much-needed cover from the intense heat of the summer sun. I don't think we'll be that fortunate each and every time we inspect them, but I'll take the nice days while I can. Overall, everything looked to have survived the move to the borage in good condition. We have a very mixed bag of colony strength in each hive. Some are bursting with bees and brood, while others are bringing on a new queen that's maybe just started laying after the colony had swarmed last month. Anyway, my focus this year had been the drive to get colonies ready as early as possible for the oilseed rape crops. So we had been trying to manage everything for maximum colony size in the spring. But as you all know, if you've listened to the previous podcasts, our spring has been something of a challenge this year and we battled colonies that constantly tried to swarm and weather that really didn't want to give up the colder days of the late winter. Anyway, that all being in the past, we then found ourselves with colonies that had been requeening or trying to requeen over the last six weeks or so, some successfully, but others not so. The drone lane queen issues have once again popped up, And I think this is more environmental than anything specifically to do with drone health. But regardless of the cause, we did suffer a few colonies of drone-laying queens. All of this meant 
that when the call came in asking us to move our bees to the borage, we had colonies in a variety of conditions and not completely in tip-top condition to maximise the nectar flow from the very start. Looking through the colonies, we had around six or seven that were hopelessly queenless, meaning that not only did they not have a queen, but that they also had no way of producing a queen. For these colonies, we've introduced some new queens that we've bought in. I have to say, my entire working plan for this summer has disappeared with the summer solstice. Everything has been pretty much put on hold in order to get the bees to the borage. So our own queen-rearing plans have fallen by the wayside, hence the need to buy some in. I think the jury's still out on the bees that we bought in last year. I guess unsurprisingly, or maybe surprisingly, some are great, absolutely fantastic. Some are kind of average and some are not so good. A little bit disappointing, but not totally surprising, I guess. Anyway, we needed some more queens, so I had to buy in a few more. These were introduced last week. So, while you're listening to this, I should be checking out those colonies to see, hopefully, that the queens have been released from their cages and are laying well. These eggs, the eggs that the queen is now laying, won't really make any contribution to the foraging force until the end of the month when the season will be drawing to a close for us, but they will take up a lot of space in the brood box, which should mean the nectar being brought in will be moved up into the supers, and once that brood is capped, should see more of the current house bees move on to begin foraging themselves. Remember, 21 days from egg to emerging worker is going to put us into week three of July. With any luck, there'll still be a large amount of forage out there for them and they'll be super keen to get it packed away before it goes over. In other colonies, we have what I would see as being the very best conditioned colonies. Healthy brood and adult bees, brood boxes packed full of sealed brood, cappings darkening as the bees within mature and begin to emerge, freeing up cells for the queen to continue laying in and adding to the workforce to get out and forage on all that lovely nectar and pollen. We've added several boxes immediately to all of the colonies this summer, those that are on the borage, and now this is something that I don't normally do during the summer months. I was once, many years ago, told to over-super in the spring and under-super in the summer, And this is going to sound a little confusing, all the talk of over and under supering. But here I'm not talking about the position of the supers, but rather the quantity of supers added to the hive at specific times of the year. So let me explain. Let's look at a perfect colony through the year, particularly through the active season, and specifically think about adding supers. These are the honey boxes that the bees are going to store the honey in. These boxes go above the queen excluder, which sits on top of the brood box. With our imaginary perfect hive, the colony that is queen right all year round has a constant brood pattern, never swarms, and has bees that like to get out and forage in all conditions. I wish. Anyway, during the spring, we always add at least two supers immediately the spring flow begins, and possibly more if they're on oilseed rape sometimes as many as four drawn supers at once. This is because the nectar really floods in 
and we don't want the brood area to clog up with nectar and cause the colony to be cramped of space and perhaps set off on a course to swarming. But of course, our perfect colony doesn't swarm. They use the available space in the supers to move all of the nectar from the spring flow up and into the cells away from the brood nest and fill all of those frames in the supers. Any frames that are not ready to come off for spring extraction are sorted through and left on the hive for the bees to continue to use and fill as the spring develops into early summer. With this approach, you may find the colony fills the centre frames first and a little swapping out of frames is required to remove all of the extractable frames. Jumping forward to summer, and we again have a strong flow available, usually brambles in and around our normal apiaries, but this time we restrict the bees to one or two supers to start with, at most, until they are beginning to cap them over before adding additional supers beneath those capped ones. The strength of the summer sun means that the hives are nicely warm for most of the time and the excess moisture can be evaporated off the nectar very quickly. This means honey can be capped off quickly and the crop can be assessed easily. If another super is required, it can be added straight away. This method of adding supers means there is no situation of that chimney effect with nectar being scattered around in all the frames. The other factor here is that by the time we get through to midsummer, the propensity to swarming has mostly diminished in our colonies, so the urge to produce queen cells is largely missing at this time of the year. Well, especially in our perfect colony that I'm describing here. As each week passes, we can, if required, add another super, but I wait until they're almost full before adding another one. Now thinking about the borage, we have a spring-like situation, which is totally new to me. I've had several conversations with other commercial bee farmers who all advise to get at least a couple of supers on, if not three, from the very start, because of the huge amount of nectar that can flow from these plants. All of my colonies on the borage have been given two supers, and it will be interesting and exciting to see exactly what position we're in when we inspect them this week. Fingers firmly crossed. I'm hoping the weather has played its part this week. We've had several very showery days, some half-decent daytime temperatures, allowing the bees, hopefully, to get out early and forage, yet some pretty heavy downpours, which, again, I'm hoping will have given the plants the necessary moisture to produce gallons and gallons of nectar. I live in hope. I will, of course, report back as we see things developing over the coming days and weeks. The not-so-good news this week is the rather alarming situation that has befallen the top bar hive. So you will perhaps remember the top bar hive has been giving me a lot of pleasure since we created it last year. It's been a doddle to work with, really. A lot of fun to watch the bees build their own comb on the top bars, and when they did finally get away from me a few weeks ago and swarmed, I took the opportunity to split them and create a couple of queens in a kind of one-quarter to three-quarters split. Well, it's been a few weeks since I've looked in on them. I wanted to give the new queens a chance to mate, settle in and start laying, which, when I last looked, they had done, and I marked the queen in the smaller of the two splits. This week, I decided to use 
that queen in another queenless hive and so went in, caged her and whisked her away. There were plenty of eggs in the split and although a little light on food, they looked very good and healthy. We even recorded a video of the process so do take a look at that on Patreon. When we stopped recording, I happened to take a look at the entrance of the larger split and noticed that although there were a few bees flying out, there were not anywhere near the numbers that I had seen previously and certainly not the numbers that I would have expected. Alarm bells started ringing. With a heavy heart, I started to remove the top bars and was hit by a rather nasty decomposing bees kind of smell. As I worked my way in, it was very quickly obvious what had happened. The colony was almost completely dead. Brood was dead in the cells. Piles of bees lay scattered on the floor and there was not a drop of food anywhere to be seen. No disease here. They had starved, or at least were on the point of completely starving. I have to say I was completely shocked and surprised by this. Just a few weeks earlier, this colony had mountains of stores. We haven't ever taken any honey from them, and the colony had swarmed, leaving a much diminished number of bees to build back up again and start over with the resources left behind by the swarming bees. So how does this happen? All of the other colonies in the apiary, in normal hives, and those are 14 by 12s as it happens, have got plenty of stores. You just never know how colonies are going to use the resources that they have. And just for the record, this is totally my fault. A lack of focus and regular inspections have allowed this to happen. If I'd inspected them a week or so earlier, I would have probably seen that they were short on food and could have done something about it. I'm gutted, really upset about this, but it's not a total loss. There are live bees in there still, and I did see the queen. I've immediately added a bag of fondant. It's all I had with me at the time. I always carry a bag of fondant in the truck because you never know when you might need it. But anyway, I've added a bag of fondant and hopefully they're strong enough to get down to the sugary feed and recover. I'm back at the apiary today, so I'll check up on them and add a liquid feed if I need to, which will hopefully be something that they can use a little more easily than the fondant. I hear people sometimes say that you don't need to inspect bees on a regular basis, but on this occasion it's worked out badly for me. It's all too easy to ignore a colony, and before you know it, the signs of an issue that you could have quickly and easily resolved have been missed. Something you don't want to miss is my latest podcast. A podcast subscription will get you all the very latest tips and techniques from me each week as they're released. As things stand, it's going to cost less than a couple of bags of fondant, and that's next day delivery prices. Head over to my Patreon page and sign up to my Podcast Plus tier for the very latest beekeeping chat and an occasional beekeeping cock-up. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.